you, Pastor Chad. Now, get your Bibles out and open up. We're going to maybe open up the Chronicles 16. It's only about first scripture. But I want to give a talk today about seeking God, um, making that conscious effort to, uh, to cease for everything else, to find God over and over and over again. Seeking God, finding God. And I guess the motivation for the talk is a testimony that comes from China, a sister called Milling, and um, she got news a few months back that her mother um, was diagnosed with brain cancer, and it's a pretty serious one in the brain when it gets to your brain. And, um, and she's a relatively young sister in the Lord, and of course, what else do you say to a sister about that except just seek the Lord, continually go back to the Lord. But as you're going through that whole emotional roller coaster. You know, through the conversations, many, you know, for you know, an hour or so, her being in, you know, in tears and, and barely being able to hear a word out of her voice, the only encouragement I could give her was you must seek the Lord. You must stick in there. Don't give any ground. Don't turn around. Don't move. But keep face to face with the Lord. He's in it somewhere. He's in it somewhere. Be patient. And um, what eventually happened is uh, they had to uh, go in and, and cut the, uh, the, the cancer out of her brain. And just as they uh, finished operation and uh, she was just resting, I think it was the second day after she had finished um, with the operation, they, re they did a scan again and there was the same cancer had grown back to half the size again. And so you could imagine the phone calls and the conversation and uh, you know, I guess we didn't change course. God's in this somewhere, Milling. Be patient. Don't lose hope. And um, so eventually, uh, you know, uh, what happened through that whole time, you know, her, her mother being in, the, uh, in, in hospital for quite a few months, her mother got to slow down from what is normally a very busy life in China. And Meling got a chance to read scriptures to her mother because they really ran out of things to say. And so the only comfort they found was... Um, Meling just reading the scriptures to her mother. Her mother was a bit of a captured audience. She was stuck in the bed and, and not normally probably listening to the scriptures, but now she was listening to the scriptures. And by the end of it, um, she said, um, I need to be baptized, don't I, Meling? And, and the young sister says, you do, mum. You do need to get baptized. And um, the next day she went into uh, radiotherapy, I think radio or chemo, one or the other. And um, in, one, um, in one dose the actual brain cancer had pretty much shrunk to about down to probably, you know, probably a tenth of its size. And so now uh, the prognosis is much more hopeful. And, um, and she was baptised that week uh, as she got that news. And uh, today uh, we're going to catch up with her again and hope she should pray for the Holy Spirit. But the point I want to make is that we must continually, you know, seek the Lord because he is faithful, he is true. And, and through all the conversations and through all the tears, we continue to say to her, stay there, don't move, God's in it somewhere. There's a reason for it. And uh, when we got the news that mum uh, got baptised, wow, we kind of thought, wow, that's how the Lord kind of works. He can put us through an emotional roller coaster, but if we continually seek his face, then he can kind of make that smooth. And many of us have been through the emotional roller coaster and kind of felt like we kind of cheated it in some ways because we had the comfort of the Lord in our life. And Chronicles 16, verse 11, I'm just going to read a few scriptures here. It says, Seek the Lord. I'll let you turn to it and give you half a chance. Chronicles 16, it says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. 
Then flip to Chronicles 22, verse 19. Now it says, Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. I'll keep reading about it, otherwise we'll be here for a while. Um, Isaiah 55, maybe you just want to write them down, verse 6 and 7. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And Matthew 7, of course, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. And all of these things have been revealed to us and these scriptures really touch our heart and really strengthen us as we, as we read them because we've been given the Holy Spirit. And in Corinthians, I'll just keep reading this out for you. In Corinthians 2 it says, But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So how do we seek God? You know, we seek God as we, you know, we pray in the Spirit. We seek God as we uphold you know, in prayer, uphold our brothers and sisters and ourselves in prayer. We are seeking God, finding God. You know, we're seeking God when we're looking to, into his word, as we study the scriptures. Um, and you know, we're seeking God as even as we're just fellowshipping. We're strengthening ourselves. And uh, when we're in distress and we're in a bad place, you know, we just want uh, to go and seek someone that will give us um, their undivided attention to hear our story out so we can pour our heart out and it makes us kind of feel better. And, um, and that's what the Lord wants to give us. And that's what the Lord has offered us, that he has offered us his undivided attention. God has nothing else to do but to be involved in your life. And, uh, and the Lord always asks us to be patient, wait, don't move, be unmovable. Then the scriptures tell us that God is in it somewhere. To the faithful. God is always in it. In Psalms, maybe you can follow me with this here, Psalms 34, I'll read out a few more scriptures. Verse 15. Psalm 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Back a page. Psalm 33, verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. And that goes on. It's a great, great scripture there. Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou should go, and I will guide thee with mine eye. So the Lord has offered us his undivided attention. If we would seek him, we will find him. And if you continually, through all the obstacles, you'll find that God is in the situation, in every situation. And even if you're new here today, if you are patient and you, you know, just hang around with God's people, God will reveal something to you if you are patient, if you are unmovable. Because if you want salvation, God will bring salvation to you. And the story of salvation is miraculous. You know, it was paid with blood. That's how, how committed God is, is to it. But at times in our life, you know, God seems a bit distant. And it seems like, um, as much as I call out to him, it just seems to be uh, this delay. This delay. And that's just a natural, there's no real condemnation for that. That's just, a, we're, you know, we've got this earthen vessel. This is our natural mind. So there's no condemnation. At home I've got this uh, plan happening. I live by myself and I've got this plan happening. It's called Clean Up As You Go. Who's run that old plan? <laughs> Clean Up As You Go. I've been running that plan now for about the last three years. But it's pretty amazing that, uh, you know, I, I kind of pretty much, it gets to the point where I almost give myself a headache that I'm not, I don't, sometimes I'm just startled, I just stand still because I'm, I need to do, pick something up or put something away if I'm going to go to my bedroom or something. I'm trying to find something that I need to clean up as I go. 
But sometimes I wake up to myself and I think, mate, this place is messy. This place is messy. Who's leaving a cup hanging around on the kitchen there? I even go through the bedrooms, check the bedrooms. Is someone else living here? So even though we have this great desire to clean up as we go, there's sometimes a thought that sometimes we need to stop and we need to clean up. We need to do a spring clean um, in our life. And so that's old, uh, that old thing, clean up as you go. In Romans 12, verse 2. In a moment, I'm going to get a visual aid up. Um, Saxon, if you can. In Romans 12, verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, sometimes we don't mean to conform, but we kind of do it unconsciously because we're just not quite aware. We just are getting on with life, and there's many people in our life, and there are many demands in our life, and uh, we kind of wake up to ourselves and we kind of think, do you know what, I've just kind of unconsciously, you know, conformed. I used to go to that meeting, but for some reason, I don't know what kind of happened, on one night, uh, I had to go to a family function or something, and then the next Tuesday came, came around, and I kind of thought, well, I just don't go anymore because of this one kind of occasion. And so sometimes we find ourselves conforming to the world, not that we do it deliberately, but we just kind of, uh, we have every good intention to clean up as we go, but every now and then we've got to, got to take stock and work out to... Uh, you know, if I want to seek God, if God needs to be, you know, uh, number one in my life, I have to do a real spring clean at, at certain times. And sometimes we have to transform consciously. We have to transform consciously. We have to make a conscious decision to say it, that I, I did go to those meetings. Why don't I go to the meeting anymore? I did pray in the mornings. I had a really good Bible study plan at one stage. And God seemed like he's, you know, right before my face. I could almost like feel his breath on me. But, and so sometimes we need to transform consciously and say, I've got to clean up here. I've got to get back to the part where I'm actually now transforming unconsciously. I've got good habits in my life. Uh, I'm back to where I, I was once before. And so that's the, that the kind of spring clean. I don't know if I've got... Ah, oh, you're already up there. I should kind of move my notes so I can see it in front of me here. So I've got this picture here to kind of... Um, Sometimes we need a bit of a spring clean, and I've kind of uh, looked at this picture and I kind of thought, um, if you could visualise all these people in your life, now these people are part of your life. You don't know them individually, you don't know these people, it's just from the internet. But uh, I just want them to represent a person in your life, you know, um, your friends, work colleagues, maybe your boss, people your sporting club, your, you know, your footy mates, your aunties, your uncle, your cousin, your mother, your brother, spiritual or natural brother, and they're all part of your life. The question is, where is the Lord in this picture? Where is the Lord in this picture? And some might say, oh, you know, he's right up the front and uh, praise the Lord. We know we're happy for you. But some of us, you know, through the uh, best endeavours of clean up as you go, but, uh, you know, realise now that I consciously need to make some changes. Because every time I look to seek the Lord, he seems so distant to me. And uh, you, look, you glance through the room and uh, all of a sudden you catch sight that there's the Lord there. 
But what's the problem with the Lord being there? And the issue is you can't see much of him. You can barely just see, you can see that his eyes and one of his ears and his hairdo. Where should the Lord be in the spirit-filled life? Where will the Lord want to be? He's made himself available to, to listen to everything that we have for him. He's not distracted. He has nothing else to do. The Lord needs to be here. This is where the Lord needs to be. So if this is a, a bit of a visual way to kind of say, yeah, all those people, there are a lot of people in my life, from people, from you know, relatives that we barely see. Maybe we went to visit them on that Tuesday night, and now the next Tuesday night we just got into this bad habit of not going Tuesday night. And maybe, you know, I was in a rush to go to work, so I kind of just uh, stopped praying in the mornings, and, but I never went back to it. But I had all the best endeavours to, to do it. So, and the Lord almost wants us to, like, deliberately, voluntarily, almost like walk, if you visualise yourself walking through this crowd and uh, going to grab the Lord from back there and almost uh, politely apologising to everyone, saying, look, it's just needful for me that I need to bring the Lord here. Because when the Lord is up front in my life, then everything works better for me. I'm more valuable as a brother and sister. When the Lord is up front there, do you know what? Even you look better. When I'm, you know, when I'm looking over the Lord's shoulder to see you, because the Lord puts me in such a place that even you become tolerable in my life. And we see the best in our brother and sister because we're seeing that over the shoulder of the Lord, that nothing is hidden from us of the Lord. You know, if the Lord has made his whole presence available, don't we need to put him in a position where we can even see his little toe? Not to be hidden behind anyone, not to be kind of, uh, you know, and that's what seeking the Lord is, is you know, like getting through all the obstacles, going through obstacles, getting around obstacles, so that you can see the Lord in his completeness, in his fullness. And later on we're going to talk about how the, our identity is hidden in this man, Jesus Christ. So when he is kind of... Uh, you know, uh, standing in the shadow of someone else that is the wrong place to have the Lord and life is better balanced when the Lord is up front you know um, as you put the Lord you know, at the front there you start to feel good about yourself and in the second part of that scripture there it, and it says um, that you may prove you may test what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God these words good acceptable perfect that we start to feel that when we've got the Lord in the right place in our life. We start to feel good that we're not neglecting anything. We start to feel acceptable of his grace and his mercy. And we feel perfect as he is perfect in our life. And so it's so important for us to have the Lord up in front and centre and to start to build this good foundation in our life. And if your brothers and sisters love you, they understand the move that you're making and they will encourage you to do it that way. Let's go to another scripture. Let's go to Corinthians chapter 3. Thanks, Duncan. You uh, Saxon, you can take that off if you can. That'd be great. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, we'll start reading from. It says, For we are laborers together with God, you are God's husbandry, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. 
But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than, than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon the foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. It will be shown up. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed with fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide, uh, which he had built thereon, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, and yet so as by fire. And so I guess the point I want to get out of this scripture is that uh, we have a part to play in this. We have a part to kind of take on this uh, philosophy of clean up as you go, and sometimes I need to do a complete sprinkling. And where am I building my life upon? I guess if the, if the picture was up again, where is the foundation of your life? The foundation of your life is in that front row. That's where the foundation is. So who's sitting in the front row and is anybody sharing the front row with Jesus Christ? Because that's the foundation that needs to be laid in our life. In Matthew 7, is a very, you know, for, if you're taking notes, Matthew 7 is probably a clearer way of, of saying it, about building upon the rock, Jesus Christ. Um, and I guess you know, what happens when you kind of put the Lord out the back, when you kind of leave him there just seeing his face? You, know, you kind of live a very half-baked life, full of potential, but never realising any, any of it. It's almost like a person that won the race that didn't know he did. What's the point of winning the race, or even running the race, if, you, if you're not running it to win? If you're not kind of uh, being a part of this walk to discover, what can, I, you know, what can I experience in this walk? Who am I? What are the promises of God? You know, to kind of ponder, what would the kingdom of God look like? How would I feel, you know, just sitting alongside and just hanging out with Jesus Christ and the apostles? You know, and let your mind kind of wander. Pastor Paul last week gave a great talk about, you know, putting yourself in a place where you've got the best influence in your life. And it's not too different to what we're saying here. That, you know, if the Lord is up front in your life, it is him that you first see in the morning. If we were to walk into the room and, and, and open the doors, it should be him that we see first. That way, it's his voice that we hear above everyone else's. That way it's his direction that we take above everybody else's. And if we, if we take that on, you know, it finds it very easy to seek the Lord. And when we find it easy to seek the Lord, our life is a, you know, full of miracles and full of testimony and full of peace and full of understanding and, and wisdom. We'll go to another scripture. We'll go to uh, Colossians 3. Colossians 3. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified because it just, I think it just brings it out a lot clearer out of the Amplified. There is here, therefore, if you've been, uh, therefore, if you've been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above. Keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, it says, set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above. Wow, that's something. Set your mind 
and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, on the, not on the things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. For you die to this world, and your new and real life is hidden with Christ in God. He says, and when Christ, who was our life, Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And you're thinking about this, this thought of, you know, our life is hidden in Christ. So there's parts of our life that we don't even know unless we know Jesus Christ. Can you imagine there's something hidden to you that you should know about? You imagine someone walking up to you the street and saying, do you know what, I know more things about you than you know about yourself. You're going to say, hey, that's unusual. What do you mean you know more about me than that you know about yourself? And the scripture is telling us that if we don't know Christ, and if Christ is kind of a little bit muffled, he's, he's in the wrong row, he's not the foundation, he's, all we can see is two eyes and a bit of his hair, then there's things that are hidden to us because we can't see all of the fullness of Christ because our identity is wrapped up in this man, Jesus Christ. And it's a really good thought to kind of say that about this foundation, about, uh, and sometimes we find ourselves not by anything deliberate, we find ourselves building our foundation upon our friends. And our friends, compared to Christ, there is no comparison. They're very unreliable. If Christ is offering to be your foundation, don't make your friends your foundation. Christ will be around a lot longer. He's a lot more trustworthy. He's proven that to you. And, you know, at times we find that... um, and no, it is no criticism, you know, we've, we've all kind of done it, that we kind of put our friends up front and centre and, and we kind of leave Christ out the back because we haven't really dealt with it. And what happens is our friends lose, you know, it talks about here, that they keep focus habitually. And sometimes our friends lose focus and they go off on a tangent, on a crazy tangent. They kind of say that, uh, you know, they kind of have, they change their values about their experience with God. And because you've based your whole foundation upon your friends, when your friends fall, you fall with them. And that's not what the Lord wanted. The Lord said, go and make me your foundation. I will not fall. I will not crack. You know, I will not tip or lean. And there are no variables, neither shadow of turning, the Lord says. You know, if you build upon me, you will stand until the end, until until I return. You know, who are we? You know, we're pretty unreliable creatures, to be honest. We're like this bag of bones. Fancy building your life upon a bag of bones. We're like a, like a hot air balloon. Big hot air balloon. Making big promises. And sometimes not being able to, you know, maintain those promises. Or make good on those promises. You know, we're like an ice cream that's been put out in the sun. <laughs> Fancy building your life upon that. Fancy building your life upon that. But Jesus Christ, he is the rock. That if we understand who the rock is, we understand his testimony. And that we should know his testimony better than we know our own testimony. And his testimony is here. Why did he come? And who did he heal? And why did he heal? And why did he die? How was he raised up? What does that mean to me? To know the testimony of Jesus Christ is to know yourself. And Jesus Christ is your best influence that we can have. And all the people said. I I always like to think of pictures and things. It's like NASA turning up with a rocket to your house. 
fully operational. You imagine, uh, who's ever seen the, when they prepare a rocket, how they kind of, uh, they prepare it in this big kind of shed and then they wheel it to the launch pad. Who's ever seen those pictures? It's like a 40-storey building being moved on wheels. I reckon there's about 200 wheels on this, on this cart that they put it on and they put it in, in place ready to launch. And, you know, uh, I guess God has prepared for us a rocket that's going to transport us out of this world to a whole new kind of horizon, a whole new perspective. Imagine a rocket being delivered to your front yard. And we couldn't get it in sideways, so we put it across the road. And it's just got King of Kings and Lord of Lords up the top of it, strapped to it. But what a tragedy it would be if we kind of just get the front garden hose and start wrapping the garden hose around, you know, the rocket launch or something. We don't understand its value. What is this thing that kind of dumped in my front yard? What is this thing called the Holy Ghost that's been given to me? We just leaned the shovel up against the side of this rocket. We took no time out to kind of jump in the rocket and look at all the buttons and start pressing. If in doubt, just start pressing and wait for something to happen. And, and sometimes the Word of God is like that. You know, sometimes it's a hard reading and, and sometimes it comes easy, but I'm just going to keep pressing at these scriptures until I start lighting something up in my life. I keep pressing at these scriptures until I understand the identity of Jesus Christ. And when one of these, scriptures, one of these buttons I press, one of these scriptures is going to make everything turn green. And it's going to start this movement, this rumbling, this groaning that will launch this rocket and launch my life that I will take on this new perspective, that this will be the, the engine room, this will be the means on which I will go to this new world, to this kingdom of God. And so to kind of like uh, be given, given the Holy Ghost by the Lord and kind of really do nothing with it, just kind of lean up against it and rest your legs and I don't know what else we kind of do with it, not to kind of get in it and discover it and to seek everything, everything about it and all its features is irresponsible. Is irresponsible. So, uh, and even if you're new here, to, you know, today, you're like Pastor Chad saying, you're here for a reason. After this meeting, we're going to have an opportunity for you to pray for the Holy Ghost. And we can go out to a bit of a private room and we're going to encourage you to press all the buttons you possibly can to see if this thing, the Holy Ghost, will take you to a whole new world, a whole new perspective. Second Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen. Maybe Saxon, I think I had one more slide there. Maybe if you can bring that back up again, we'll go to that one, one other slide. But in Second Timothy verse, chapter two and verse fifteen it says, "Study to show thyself approved unto God." We had an, earlier we had a, um, a leaders meeting here earlier today. And this scripture came out. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God. You're a button presser. That's what this means. You press every button there is to discover everything that this thing can do. A workman needeth not to be ashamed to rightly divide in the word of truth. This word study in the Greek means to be diligent, hardworking, meticulous, industrious, conscious, thorough, attentive, careful. This is what it says. Study, let that be part of you, that you're diligent, that you're hard-working. I push through it all. It's tough putting the Lord ahead of all my friends. It offends some of my friends. Well, you know, 
Maybe they're the wrong kind of friends if they get offended at that. If they kind of say, look, and I need to get to this event because my identity is hidden up in, you know, is caught up in this event. I need to put you in the second row, but I promise you it won't be any further back than the second row. But you need to be happy to sit in the second row of my life because everything works better for me and I'll be a person you know, worth being around if you're happy to sit in the second row. Um, so our life is hidden in Christ. I kind of uh, thought I'd find a picture in it, and it's a very common picture, but imagine that was our life that we can see up above the surface. But the major part of our identity is below the surface. And this is the part that uh, the Lord encourages us to, uh, to go and discover, that the major part of our life is below the surface. It's hidden to the people of this world. So we don't go to the people of this world to get an understanding of who we are to kind of describe how it looks above the surface. The foundation, the part underneath the water is, uh, is you know, our identity of Jesus Christ. And we do that through you know, our reading, our studying, being diligent, loving the Lord with all of our heart and discovering this is our identity. So a major part of our identity is formed under the water here. So really, if we just base it on the thing that's above, we really don't really know ourselves. We think we do, but we don't. Because the Bible says in, that, you know, in Colossians there that you died. You were a bag of bones. God said you never can trust in that. I've given you a sure foundation. Um, I've just got a few more things I want to kind of call out here in Colossians here. So let's kind of get practical and work out. Uh, so where to from here? So... Um, so in Colossians, in that same chapter... I've got these two words that come out and they're very practical words and it's a great chapter to read but it's two words. One is put on and the other one is let. And they're predominant in this chapter, Colossians chapter 3. So how do we get to a point where we understand our identity and how do we feel confident to seek the Lord and, uh, and to find him every time we go to him? In Colossians 3 chapter says, and it says, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering. Aren't they the traits of Christ? Aren't they the traits of Jesus Christ? Verse 14. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Put on love. That's the engine room. Everything I do is for love. Even though you may not understand why you have to sit in row number four, it's because I love you. And you look a lot better back there. <laughs> I just thought as I was saying that, it's pretty rude actually. Maybe I'm back in like row 20. Maybe I look better back there. But uh, yeah, don't go to take them too far back. I'd like to be somewhere at the front. Yeah. And the next part here is let. And that comes in, a, in the same chapter. In verse 15 it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Verse 16, Let the word of God dwell, word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, te- teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. And, and in chapter 4, if you flip over, and it says in verse 6, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, Say wholesome things, 
say encouraging things that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So just in, in, in finishing off here today, you know, uh, the Lord has called us to discover everything about Jesus Christ, about himself, so we can understand who we are or make us stronger, to build our foundation upon him, to get our you know, priorities right in our life, that we can be the best we possibly can be, you know, really for ourselves, you know, for our brothers and sisters, but really for the testimony of the kingdom of God. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to hand over to Pastor Drop.